Praise the Lord. So today we're going to study from 1 Corinthians 6. I'll start reading from 1 to 8. When you have something against another Christian, why do you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter? Instead of taking it to other Christians to decide who is right. Don't you know that someday we Christians are going to judge the world? And since you're going to judge the world, can't you decide these little things among yourselves? Don't you realize that we Christians will judge angels? So you should surely be able to resolve ordinary disagreements here on earth. If you have legal disputes about such matters, why do you go to outside judges who are not respected by the church? I'm saying this to shame you. Isn't there anyone in all the church who is wise enough to decide these arguments? But instead, one Christian sues under the right and friend of unbelievers. To have such lawsuits at all is a real defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? But instead, you yourselves are the one who do wrong and cheat even your own Christian brothers and sisters. Now, when we were studying from 1 Corinthians 1, we saw that 1 to 4, we saw a divided church. Now, in Chapter 5, we saw a disgraced church where there was immoral issues in the church. Now, when we come to 1 Corinthians 6, 1 to 8 talks about lawsuits among the church members. When we read these chapters, we need to know this is the church that had gifts operated inside the church. A church that was worshipping the Lord, a church that was operating in the Spirit, a church that was founded by Paul, taught by Paul, and yet they had these type of issues. Again, let me remind you that it is normal to see these type of issues in the church. But thank God, Today, when we go through these things, the word of God through the spirit is teaching us how to deal with these type of issues. That's what the Bible is teaching us. So six, chapter 6, 1 to 8 tells us that there was lawsuits among Christians. So now Paul starts by asking them, see, now if there is a problem between yourselves, the number one thing that you should try to do is finish that within yourselves. Disagreements in the church can happen. But why not try resolving that issue in the church? Verse 4. If then we have judgments of things pertaining to this life, send them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. NLT version says, if you have legal disputes about such matters, why do you go to outside judges who are not respected by the church? 
I'm saying this to shame you. Isn't there anyone in all the church who is wise enough to decide these arguments? Why are you going outside? Why are you not finishing inside the church? Number two, number two. When you go outside, are you not losing your testimony? That's what Paul is asking. See, when you go and put lawsuits, and when unbelievers get in, what testimony do you have? So number one, try to finish it within yourself. Number two, why are you going outside? Because when you go outside, are you not losing your testimony? Number three, <coughs> Paul is asking at verse seven, to have such lawsuit is all is a real defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? But instead, you yourselves are the one who do wrong and cheat even your own Christian brothers and sisters. So, the third thing that Paul is saying here is, see, why not allow to be cheated? This is a teaching of Jesus. When we read Matthew 5, 38 to 45, Matthew 5, <coughs> 38 to 45. It says like this. You have heard that the law of Moses says, if an eye is injured, injure the eye of the person who did it. If a tooth gets knocked out, knock out the tooth of the person who did it. But I say, don't resist an evil person. If you're slapped on the right cheek, turn the other too. If you're ordered to court and your shirt is taken from you, give your court Two, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You've heard that the law of Moses says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and on the unjust too. If you love only those who love you, what, go, what good is that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect. See, this is the teaching of Jesus. Now, Paul is saying the same thing here. What did Jesus teach? He said, love your enemies. He said, if somebody is persecuting you, you're not going to go against him. If he slaps you at one cheek, show him the other. If he steals something from you, make sure you're giving him the rest of the things too. <coughs> now, 
Jesus was talking that in the perspective of an enemy. Now Paul is saying, if your brother is cheating upon you, why not allow that injustice to happen for the sake of testimony? See, what does the Bible teach us? Today, there are churches where there are problems. There are lawsuits in the church. This has become normal. Why is it normal? Because we do not understand that we are not only part of the body of Christ, but we are bringing shame to Jesus. Even as we meditate this word, it should be our prayer. Lord, help us to live a blameless life. Help us to live a life that will please you. I am reminded of a testimony I heard of uh, an Apachan uh, in the Pentecostal time. He was saying once when in his place he had a certain land and there was a man who was his neighbor. So this man he built a wall and when he built a wall he took a part of the land which belonged to Apicha. So now next day morning, he knew that Apicha is going to go and ask him, hey, you have taken a part of my land. You have to return it back. So knowing that, he bought in some goons or gundas so that if Apicha is going to ask him, he's going to create problems. So what really happened is, Apachan went forward to this neighbor and said, See, I understand you need land. How much more land do you need from me? I can see that you have taken a bit. Is that enough? Or do you need more? And Apachan was saying he had the shock of his life because he was expecting Apachan to come and say that you have taken my land. And that one reason he respected this opportunity. What am I trying to say? People of God, as we study this word, this word teaches us one thing. We being in the church, part of the church, does not mean the world that is inside of us would go. When we study this word, the more we come closer to God, the more the world should go away from us. It should not only be our prayer, it should be our cry. See, we are pilgrims and strangers in this world. It is normal for us to have things in the world. We will, God will bless us. But we should always pray, God, when you bless me, when you increase my boundaries, Lord, I don't want to be a man who would be called blessed instead. I want to be a man who would be called holy. Holy. See, that should be our cry. See, because when we cry out for blessings, the more we get blessed, the more greedy we become. But when you walk in holiness, you become content with what God has given you. See, when I tell you this testimony, I'm not saying that it is easily 
attainable for us. No. It is something, it is not just attainable for us by our flesh. It is only attainable through the grace of God. See, when we face issues, <coughs> when we face issues, we have to cry out to God. Yes, when we read the Bible, it talks about, this chapter talks about the issue between sinners, well, between believers. See, if Jesus has taught us that if it is between a believer and an unbeliever, that you should close your eyes. How much more when it comes to believers? See, is, should not our heart come to a place where we tell God? Because Jesus is telling us, see, if they are your enemies, if they are persecuting, if they are cursing you, go forward and bless. So now if you have a problem with your brothers, who is in your family, who is part of you, if they are cheating you, it should be your prayer. It should be your cry. God, give me the grace to have an attitude of Christ. See, I know this is not easy. I can tell you for sure. But through the grace of God, it is attainable. This is why I said, this is something we need to pray. See, when we come across these type of issues in our life, we need to depend on the grace of God. We need to depend on the grace of God. So, we were studying in chapter 6, 1 to 8, law disputes among believers. So there are three things Paul is saying. Number one, he's saying, why are you guys not trying to deal it among yourselves? Number two, number two, he's saying, don't you know that you will lose your testimony? Number three, he's saying, if you have disputes, if you're getting cheated, why not close your eyes? It is okay. Because Jesus has taught us that that's what we are called for. That's what we are called for. Number four, number four. See, Paul says a statement there. Paul says, don't you know that you're called to judge? So in other words, there is an authority that is given to the believers, to the church. And yet we are not using it. See, when we studied chapter five, we see Paul telling them, you need to put him outside. So now we cannot go deeper into that thought that we are called to judge people. No, we cannot. But there is an authority. There is an authority. See, that's why Paul says in verse uh, 2 and 3, do we not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are we unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know we, know, know we not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Different commentators have different views about this. But this is what I believe. The word of God says, the saints shall judge the world. The Bible says that you and I are the light of this world. You and I are the salt of this world. We have a responsibility here in this earth. We will have a responsibility in heaven too. We will not only judge in the world, but we will also judge in the heavenly realms. How are we going to do it? I do not know. But one thing I know, we are co-heirs with Christ and it is our responsibility. 
when we see things happening in the church, in the world, we need to ask God, Lord, what is happening here? What is happening here? Because there is an authority that God has given me. See, that's why Jesus said, I'm giving you the keys, keys to bind and to lose that is done in heaven. In other words, some things, when we bind it, it's bind forever. Some things which is loosed is loosed forever. But these keys cannot be used by ourselves. These keys are used by God through us. So now this is what Paul is saying. You know, do you not know that? Do you not know that God will allow us to judge? As we meditate on this, I want to put a reminder in each one of our heart. Walk with God and you will see how God tests certain judgments in this world. We are not called to judge, but yet we are called to bind and loose. If we bind and loose according to the heart of God, certain things that prevail in this earth will be removed. I'm, I'm, I'm reminded to tell one example because of the statement that I'm saying. Just imagine there is a drug cartel that is coming up. It is our responsibility to pray. See, just because the drug cartel comes, I cannot go and bind them. But I have to keep praying because the key can only be used by God's authority. I pray until God gives me the signal. Now, if I would bind them, what happens is they will not outgrow to become a cancer in the society. So it is our responsibility to pray for our society, to pray for our nation. So as we meditate on this word, let this be our prayer. Lord, help me to see things the way you see and help me to do things the way you want to do. So let this be our prayer. <coughs> now let's read from 9 to 20. Know we not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But we are washed, but we are sanctified, but we are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly and belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord and also will raise up his, us by his own power. Now, when you read 6, 1, 2, 8, Paul is addressing the issue of lawsuits among the believers. Now, when we start reading from 9 to 20, he's talking about or he's addressing sexual sin. Now, Paul is saying some of the statements which are very strong. So he's saying, no, we know the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 
be not deceived neither fornicators idolaters adulterers effeminate means homosexuals abusers of themselves with mankind in other word abusing mankind thieves covetous drunkards revilers extortioners shall not inherit the kingdom of god these are very strong statements now he's saying some of you had these type of characters and what happened now through the gospel you've been washed sanctified in other word you've been separated you're justified in the name of the lord jesus and by the spirit of god hallelujah look at the three statements you're washed you're separated and justified so who are the people inside the church they are sinners people who had these type of characters they were not perfect but now paul is reminding them that you cannot live that type of life there is a standard in the church a lot of people ask when you come to church why is it important to have certain standards we've been given all freedom yes you've given all freedom but you need to know there is a law for the kingdom of god and that's what paul is addressing here all things are lawful unto me but all things are not expedient all things are lawful for me but i will not be brought under the power of any i will read a uh, new living translation so it's much easier for you to understand you may say i am allowed to do anything but i reply not everything is good for you and even though i am allowed to do anything i must not become a slave to anything you say food is for the stomach and the stomach is for food this is true that some day god will do away with both of them but our bodies were not made for sexual immorality they were made for the lord and the lord cares about our body you know why he is addressing it because in the corinthian they said see just like you need food for the stomach and stomach needs food just like you have hunger sexuality is a need of the soul it should be satisfied and that's where paul is saying now you say that through the grace of god you can do everything and he says yes you have complete freedom but complete freedom does not mean that you walk in your way complete freedom means protecting your freedom from the slavery from where you have come now this is so beautiful that paul says that when you get into sexuality number 1 consider god the father now that's what he says in the next verse and god will raise our bodies from the dead by his marvelous power just as he raised our lord from the dead what does that mean see when you use your body for sexual impurity keep in mind god the father the one who washed you who separated you who justified you has given you a new body see that's why 
When you read Romans 6.10, the word of God says that you are no more slaves to sin. So, wield your members as members of righteousness. I want you to read Romans 6.10 so I can explain it for you guys. For in that he died, he died unto once. But in that he lived, he liveth unto likewise. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin reign in your mortal body, that we should obey it in the lust therefore. Neither will we your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but wield yourselves unto God as those that are alive, from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Before you were dead in sin, but now you are alive in God. So, wield your members to do holiness. Wield your members as instruments of righteousness for God. In the Malayalam version it says, wield your members as weapons of righteousness of God. Hallelujah. So when we put ourselves in sexual impurity, consider our God the Father. Why? Because we who were dead, he has raised us up from that death and he has given us a new man, a man who is created in his likeness. Ephesians says, Likeness in true righteousness and holiness. See, that's why Paul is saying, consider the Lord the Father. So what is he trying to say? He's saying, see, before you had all these type of characters. But now you have a new creation. God the Father has blessed you with a new creation. Ephesians 4.24 says that your new man who's been created in true righteousness and holiness. In other words, your hunger, your taste, your inclination, everything has changed. See, before you had homosexual problems, before you used to deceive people, before you used to steal, before you used to abuse but now you have a new creation. In other words, you need to cry out to God, Lord, let this new man in me reveal your holiness. So what should I do? I should wield my members as instruments of righteousness. Hallelujah. So consider God the Father. Number two, number two. Know we not that your bodies are members of Christ. Shall I then make, take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know we not that we, he which is joined to an harlot is one body. For two saith he shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man death is without the body. But he that commits fornication sinned against his own body. Number two. Consider the Lord Jesus. Why? Because the word of God says, Know we know that your bodies are members of Christ. Now, not only that, you have a new creation. 
you are a member of Jesus Christ. What does it mean? I want you to go to John 15. Go to John 15. The word of God says, I am the true wine and my father is the husband. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it might bring forth more fruit. Now we are clean through the word which I have spoken unto. Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the wine. No more can we except we abide in me. What does that mean? It means... I am not only given a new creation through Jesus. His life flows through me. <coughs> That's why the word of God says, unless you abide in me, you cannot bear fruit. Hallelujah. It gives us two things here. One is an encouragement and one is a discouragement. Encouragement is that whatever God asked me to do, I don't have to worry. Because if I will submit to God, his life will flow through me and he will accomplish what God has purposed. But the discouragement is, if I don't abide myself to God, I can do things in my way and it will not please God. So when we get into sexual impurity, it is important that you understand that your members are not only asked to wield to God, but it is connected to Jesus so that his life will flow through you. See, that's why the word of God says, don't you know when two of you join together, he shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Hallelujah. Do you see? That? When two people join together, they become one flesh. And when you join together with God, you become one spirit. So what is he trying to tell us? He's telling us, remember Jesus. When you get connected, there is a connection that happens between your body. Sexual impurity is something that can bring you bondages. You need to cry out to God always. That when today the society that we live in takes sexual sins very lightly. Just like at that times, many believe today that yes, it's something that I need. Today, I can see videos in YouTubes which take things so lightly. They say, I feel to have sex. You're my friend. Why, why not? That's not how it should work. See, because when you join together without God's permission, you are getting connected with people who you are not supposed to get connected. Now, you will carry what that person carry and that person will carry what you carry. And then there are soul ties that will hook you up. And that will take you away from God's calling. This is so important that as we walk with God, 
we will not be able to fulfill what God has called us to do. See, that's why the Bible says, consider God the Father because now you have a new creation. Consider Jesus. Why? Because you have a life that is flowing in you. Now Paul is addressing the third thing. Consider the Holy Spirit. What is he trying to say on the next verse? What? No, we know that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which we have of God. And we are not your own, for we are brought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Consider the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So when you get into sexual sins, you not only have a new creation, you not only have a life, now you also have a spirit. As I was meditating on this word, I was, I was asking the Lord, Lord, if I have the Father and if I have Jesus, why do I need the Holy Spirit, by the way? It's because I have a new creation and then I have his life flowing in me. But then what's the need of the Holy Spirit? And he was telling me, I want you to go to John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He'll not be presenting his own ideas. He'll be telling you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by revealing to you whatever he receives from me. In other words, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. He will guide me into all truth. See, it's true I have the life of God. It is true that I have a new creation, but it is the Holy Spirit who will guide me into the truths. It is the Holy Spirit who will show me the heart of God. It is the Holy Spirit that will tell me what is right and wrong. And not only that, it is the Holy Spirit that will help me to glorify the Father. Can you see that? It says specifically, he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and will show it unto you. He will glorify me. But the Holy Spirit is with you. The Spirit is not upon you so that you be glorified. The Holy Spirit is upon you so that his name be glorified. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. See, because if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you will not only be led away from the spirit of truth, you will take paths that will glorify your flesh. As we meditate on this word, it's so beautiful how the Holy Spirit has written this letter. Now, when you when we study First Corinthians 6, 1 to 8 talks about the lawsuits and from 9 to 20, it talks about sexual sins. When we study on sexual sins, the Holy Spirit is specifically telling us, you have to be very careful. Why? Because it's not that I had these problems or I'm having these problems means that I'm not going to hinder the kingdom of God. The word of God says, if you continue in this sin, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, 
don't live a life of sin. Just because you come to church, just because God uses you, just because you see the power of God, just because you see the glory of God, don't think that God is approving what you're doing. A problem with the Corinthian church was that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we see that they're glorying in wrong things. As humans, it's possible for us also. Even when we are in sin, if God is using you, don't mistaken to think that God is on your side. Paul is saying you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You will not. Today, as we study this word, if there is sexual impurity, let's cry out to God with the same statements that Paul says that we be washed by his precious blood. We be sanctified and justified in the name of Jesus and by the Spirit of God. That justification is not only in the name of the Lord, but by the Spirit of God. In other words, it is the Spirit that amplifies that thought to you, that he has forgiven you, that you've been justified. And when you are in these problems, consider this one thought, that I have a Father who has given me a new creation. I have the Lord Jesus who has given me his life. I have the Holy Spirit who would lead me into all truth. So whenever you are in trouble, ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, help me to keep away. The word of God says, flee fornication. Please underline that word. That word does not say fight. It says flee. In other words, run away. Don't ever fight fornication. If you fight it, you will fall in it. The only way to escape is flee. Let this be in our mind always. When we read Genesis, we see Joseph running away. This is the same word the Holy Spirit is talking to us. Whenever we get into issues in tight corners which are connected with sexual sins, keep this in mind. You don't pray and fight it. You pray and flee from it. Hallelujah. Today, my prayer for each one of you is this. That as you hear this word, if there is a problem against your brothers, let this be your prayer. Lord, give me an attitude of Christ to forgive, to show them more of Jesus. The more they use you, they might think you're a fool. But the word of God says that you and I are called to be fools of Christ. Number two. When we get into sexual sins, please don't have this thought that God is blessing you even when you are doing all of these things. The word of God says specifically, flee it. Anyone who practices this will never inherit the kingdom of God. As we bow our head to pray, let's tell God, Abhijah, cleanse me, Father. If there is anything in me, cleanse me with your precious blood. Holy Father, once again, we come to your presence, Father. We thank you for your word. Lord, we want to thank you, O God, that we who were sinners, 
you had chosen us. There are thoughts, there are pleasures, there are tastes in us, O oh God, that's not pleasing. But Father, we pray that you would wash us by your precious blood. Father, Lord, help us, O oh God, to walk a life that's pleasing to you, Father. Today, we want to submit our life to you, Father, so that we might walk in your likeness, O oh God. Lord, I pray that your life would flow in us so that we might abide in you. But help us to abide in you so that your life will flow in us. Lord, I pray, oh God, help us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that your hand would be upon us. I pray a blessing upon each and every one who's here in this world. Bless them. Bless them, O oh Lord. Father, Father if there is anyone, oh God, who has any sexual sins, I pray that you will deliver them, oh God, and that you will convict them, oh God, so that they would walk a life of holiness and purity, Father. We thank you for what you will do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.